Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello, this is Kate. Today's guest is powerhouse folk singer-songwriter Ray Zaragoza. The week that we launched this podcast, I had the opportunity to attend one of her concerts and talk with her after. I knew immediately she needed to be a guest on this podcast. Ray is a galvanizing presence, a self-assured artist making music to fight for, represent, and celebrate those left too long outside the spotlight. Known for tenacious feminist anthems and fearless protest folk, her stage presence teems with determined morale. As a Japanese-American, Mexican, indigenous woman, Zaragoza spent much of her early life trying to assimilate with the world around her, to meet punishing standards of beauty synonymous with just one color of skin and not her own. She has come a long way from that youthful pain, proclaiming, quote, I am proud to be a multicultural brown woman with insecurities and a vibrant intersectional identity that I continue to grapple with. I hope young girls of today will know that the it girl is whatever the hell they want it to be. Welcome, Yay. Ray. I love Yay. that. Thank you so much for the intro. Yes. <laughs> it's well, so an nice honor to, to have you. To, yeah, it's nice to be here. Yeah. Well, we would love, we start, uh, Ray, most of our conversations, we want to know what were sort of the galvanizing early moments in a person's life. And we've kind of have this theory that those first 10 years of life are really important in shaping us. And that sort of our, mm-hmm. our essence and who we are is already there. Like there's seeds of it. And yeah. that there are things that happen that really propel us into the life we're meant to lead. So... Would you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you grew up, where you grew up, about your parents, whatever you, whatever you think is uh, key sure. in those first 10 years? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in New York City um, uh, in the West Village in, like, a tiny studio apartment uh, with my five-person family. So, like, mom, dad, sister, brother, I'm the middle child. Um, we lived in, like, a 400-square-foot um, studio apartment, mm. like, above a firehouse in uh, Manhattan, New York, and so um, I think I, I grew up like you know, but before the age of ten, you know, I feel like a lot happened. Um, you know, I was like a nine eleven kid. I was like eight eight years old mm, and wow. was living like within yeah. the evacuation zone of nine eleven. So like, kind of experienced a lot of like heavy stuff very early in life. Um, I was like a child actor. Was already kind of acting, um, you know, b- before the age of ten, and um, I was like already kind of like on my own like Mm. uh, in New York it's really normal to be like walking into school by yourself before the age of 10 and have a lot of independence and um so I think that like before in those early years I was definitely like a very kind of like I don't know like I I definitely felt very different and like isolated from Mm. other kids I went to like one school um from until I was seven like until second grade and 
just didn't feel like I fit in there and I was just like mm. always kind of feeling like an outcast and very why was um, that do separate. you think well it was a private school and my parents had kind of like got us in there with like financial aid they like kind of they thought that like we should go to private school when we were younger so they did that but it was like we weren't like really meant to be there <laughs> like with all the other kids like mm. we felt very like, you know, our family was like one of the only families that didn't have a computer. We all shared one room, you know, like I shared like a triple decker bunk bed with my siblings. And a lot of the kids who went there were like some of the more wealthy kids in like the West Village of New York. So like one of the most expensive neighborhoods in like the world. So there's a lot of very rich kids. And I kind of just felt like, um, you know, my parents, they were making a lot of sacrifices for us to be there. but I just didn't feel like I belonged there and I had a hard yeah. time making friends. And um, so then I ended up switching to public school when I was um, in the third grade. And um, that's kind of when I felt like I maybe was like finding more of my stride is when I actually started to like do musical theater. So I did like my first play when I was in the third grade and then like I was in the fifth grade musical. And so like I really liked that school more. And so. You know, I think that, um, you know, my early years were definitely like, I was definitely like an anxious kid. I, I loved to journal and I always was like uh, escaping into my writing. Like I think yeah. always kind of like escaping into myself and like my thoughts and like my, my journaling and my writing. Cause I always felt, um, especially when I was like much younger that I didn't fit in. I just kind of felt like the, um, you know, just like, I mean, it's all relative. Like my family, we had definitely a, a good amount of, of so many things like I was so blessed when I was yeah. younger but you know relatively to like these kids I was growing up with I just felt like there was something wrong with my family and being mixed race and you know my dad is Native American and Mexican my mom's an immigrant from Japan mm. um, and you know I just I, yeah younger I just kind of felt like being mixed race made me weird and um, so yeah, and how has that shifted now? now? Because we can hear it in your lyrics. Yeah. You know, you have this yeah. amazing song called The It Girl. I mean, clearly that experience growing up really has been the catalyst for your writing and for really empowering um, women, especially women wow. who don't feel like they fit into the, you know, white cisgender standards that maybe our culture yeah. uh, puts out there. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think that um, it absolutely shaped who I am. I think that um, a lot of my music and my artistry has really been shaped by my own like internal processing of just my own existence. And yeah, <laughs> that sounds yeah. like so dramatic, but no, I know, um, I know, I love yeah, that. Like, I think I really it's so think real, it's so authentic. Yeah, I really think that um, I've used writing as a way of processing, and that kind of like turned into songwriting. And so I've kind of felt like it was like kind of my mission to kind of like live process my own insecurities through music and that was like my way of connecting with other people and um and, and so, healing yeah, other people that, and healing other people yeah right yeah, as you are totally. raw and real <laughs> and you're telling your story there's so many people saying that's my story too yeah so your work is really healing i think oh thank yeah. you mm. and i think that um that's kind of I, I feel like music that was other thing like when I was really young like music was how I how I healed myself like I lo- I had a, a Walkman with like oh, <laughs> CDs and like always had my headphones on when I was younger and you know my parents like got me um, like Jules Pieces of You and like Avril Lavigne CD and like I just loved those songs so much I like loved these female singer songwriters and that was like 
yeah, I always felt like music was the coolest thing anyone could ever do. Um, when did you start playing? Did you start and writing too? I'm curious. Yeah. yeah, I didn't start playing. I started playing guitar in the sixth grade, so uh, when I was 11, and then um, I started like a little like band when I was 13. <laughs> But it was, we didn't write songs. We just like literally played Ever Living songs and Vanessa Carlton songs. Oh my gosh, Vanessa um, But yeah, we played a couple gigs. <laughs> it Did was you? really? In sixth grade? Yeah. That was in the uh, seventh grade. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I grew, I went to a, um, so after I went to like, you know, the public school where I did all the musicals, I ended up going to a performing arts middle school. And um, I, that's where I kind of like really found my voice as a, a musician and like a a writer not I mean I didn't really mm. start writing songs yet but I was just like I, um like this school <laughs> PPAS like I love it so much like it was like 26 mm, kids in a grade. like yeah yeah it was a very small school like every we were like family there and um basically like it was so alternative there um for homework instead of like writing a report or whatever we had to like write a song Ugh, and so like amazing. I wrote like my sixth grade year our teacher, it was like her first time teaching the sixth grade and she knew that like the other teacher had the kids write songs. And I think that the other teacher, she had them write maybe like three songs in the whole year, but our teacher like just took that and ran with it. And she had us write like 10 songs in that Mm. year. And so I wrote so many songs and they all were like about like Greek mythology or just like things that you were learning about in textbooks. And then we would write songs about them. But what we did was we took like other melodies, just like I was like taking in sync melodies or Backstreet Boys melodies and like writing a song about <laughs> wow. the mythology and then had to include 15 facts in the song. So and amazing. then, you know, the teacher would like count all of our facts at the end of the song. And then we would make dance routines. And like, I literally remember some of these songs to this day. And like a lot of my friends from, uh, from those days, like it's just, we all remember them. and. I think the, literally that was like the start of my uh, my songwriting yeah. career was those songs. And you found your yeah. people. You found your, your group, yeah. right? Exactly. You finally and felt then, accepted and mm-hmm. seen and understood. I love your yes. educational kind of path because you had that first experience. And then when you really felt, felt at home, you were able to connect to yourself and really yeah. You develop yeah. your talents. And yet that first experience you also had to have because in some ways mm-hmm. the angst that came from that has been such a fire in your right. belly in terms of all this writing yeah. and healing other people through your work. So yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, I kind of feel like, um, you know, I, I do like, I'm really into, um, you know, all kinds of healing. And, you know, I was experiencing uh, like chronic migraines and vertigo for a couple of years. And then I literally healed them through like emotional work and things like that. Yep. And like one of the things that they say with like chronic pain healing is like, you have to feel it to heal it. Yes. And that's like a huge thing for me and my music. I feel like I kind of like touch the sore spots in my yes. own body. And then I, I write about them because I feel like if I can do that, then I'll heal it. And if I can heal myself and maybe I can heal someone else. And mm. so, um, yeah, I definitely so beautiful. feel like- So Ray, I have, yeah. a, I have a, a very wise teacher Um, who has said to me, she believes it's the artist that are the true healers in our world because they will say and speak things that other people cannot. Mm -hmm. And so I feel this really strongly about you that your experiences 
um, and your capacities and your abilities to speak it, it really can heal people. So um, that's always stuck with me that the artists are the healers. And I love that. That's cool. And it's very relevant cool. to you. And I, and I can speak from experience just having watched you perform that you do do that with your audience. Mm. You're not yeah. afraid to share what's behind your music, your cultural heritage. Mm. It was so powerful being in that room um, because you are you are touching on things that you humanize so many issues just in that you know that set you did. So oh, thank you. you. You really do. You made you make people think, um, and you do it with such grace. So I was struck by that. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I feel like being in an audience um, is a very vulnerable place. I think that like just being at a concert, it's like I've I've been to live shows where I feel completely transformed um, Mm -hmm. by like the music. And, you know, I I think it's just it's always been my dream to like kind of give that experience for other people. So I think the only way (laughs) to do that is like be vulnerable. And so I'm always trying to give that myself in that way like whenever I'm performing live and it's just a beautiful way to connect with human beings and um yeah that means a lot so thank you yeah Yeah. and this podcast is truly about that being authentic I mean that's why we called it you know we're wanting to talk about rewilding right which is this return to our natural essence it's like letting go of the stories that are blocking us from being who we are and so what I'm amazed at, and we were talking about this before we started, is that you're 29. You're 29, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm like, I'm how 29. did she get so, so wise? wise? And how did you already reach the point in your life that you um, are wanting to rewild? I mean, you wrote this song called Run With The Wolves, which is based on some of the concepts from the book, uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes's book, which is like our Bible here mm-hmm. <laughs> on this yes. podcast. Yeah. I'm like, how does she know about this book? She's only 29. It's amazing. So tell us wh- why you think um, you're already at this point where you're really thinking about these concepts and, and maybe wanting to share them with the younger generation. I, I mean, I guess I've always kind of been an old soul, but I think I've kind of been... Um, I don't know, just asking some big questions to myself, like from a really young age and always questioning the norm of like, just like the progression of life for a woman. And, mm. um, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I kind of felt like I was always just not really, I never ever like really subscribed to like a, a typical kind of life path. And um, I think that that's made it so that I haven't spent many years doing things that I didn't want to do. So I kind of like found myself pretty quickly. Um, wow. That, like I that's the difference. You know, I was it like, is. That's the difference. Yeah. yeah. I was like, a, you know, I was like a straight A student and, you know, very like, you know, I don't know. Like I was really into like getting good grades, but I just never was that like stoked about school. Like it didn't really really inspire me in high school so like yes then in high school I left that performing arts school like so sad I like missed it so much but I'm we my whole family moved to Los Angeles and I went to Beverly Hills High School so I was like yeah like back in with like all the like Mm -hmm. yeah you started circle yeah ended how you started yeah and I was like felt so isolated there and they had a great theater program so I was like really active in the theater program but um I, again, kind of felt like just very separate from people. And I remember like in senior year when everyone started doing like college tours and, um, 
you know, all, all college admission, all this like college stuff. I just like did not like not. I just like couldn't bring myself to do any of it. Like there's just like I just didn't want didn't to. Feel like, right. It was just weird. Like I, and I, it wasn't like I was like you know I, I literally had straight A's, but um, I just didn't want to go to college. I just felt like I was ready to live a, my life, and um, looking back, I was like, wow. Like I, I was like kind of shocked that I did that like I just there was not I didn't even apply to college like it wasn't even a thought I just didn't even show up to any of the like assemblies the college admissions like all of it I just was very kind of like to myself and was just like nah not gonna do that not gonna like brave and courageous you know 40 grand a year on something that I don't really know if it's for me yeah what I um yeah yeah what I love about that is that it, as we've interviewed women, it's all about taking these brave steps to move beyond these boxes that were conditioned to say success is going, to, going college, to college, or getting the good job. And you so early on said, yeah. that's not a box that I fit in. So I'm not going to pretend yeah. that I do. Yeah. And like, I think I'm always kind of like telling my friends, like, I think that there is like a line, like, I think there's like sometimes when we get to this like rebellious phase where it's like, okay, every box, I'm not going to subscribe to any of them, but there are some parts of like, I don't know, like there's some parts of like maybe more traditional route that I, I do like. And then there's parts that I don't. And so like the schooling, I was like, nah. And so then I ended up um, just not, I literally didn't even know what I wanted to do. I was like, maybe I'll be an actor. And then I like moved to the Valley. Like I like left my parents' house. I like found a place to live on Craigslist. Like got a job as a hostess at a restaurant and just like, <laughs> was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just like feel like I'm supposed to figure it out. And like, I have to like remove myself from like the comforts of my parents' apartment to like figure that out. And so that I really think that for me, that was like my, my big, like wilding decision. The leaving leaving of the home. Yeah. Following the breadcrumbs. Totally. There was like, it was very spiritual because I, I don't really know what I was following. Um, and I remember that I, I told myself, okay, like I would tell other people that um, I wasn't going to school because I was going to go study with this acting teacher that I really loved. And I remember, um, you know, that was like a, a couple days a week program kind of thing. Like it really wasn't like a full time commitment, but I told everyone that like just to give myself like a, an ex- excuse to like not to, to be going to school. And, and then I remember getting this email from that acting teacher that he was sick and he wasn't going to be doing his classes and it was heartbreaking for me but also like wow i literally have no plan the only thing Mm. i had i have nothing and it's just it was just like i was like 18 and um you know was paying like 500 dollars a month to like live in some other family's spare room (laughs) and was just like so lost and was like really scared but like really really um like invigorated like by life. Like yeah. I had nothing. Like this is life. Like yeah. this is like the start of life. life. And um, you know, I ended up making some really great friends at this restaurant I was hostessing at, and they were the first people who um told me I should be a singer songwriter because mm. I I had at that point, you know, I played guitar, I sang, I've always been a singer from musical theater, and um I didn't have much to do with my time other than like go to this restaurant every day. So I would just like write songs like every all day and just like write random th- songs. And like, I w- there was no reason for it. I didn't really see myself as like a singer songwriter or anything. And then I'd play them for my friends. And then it just became this thing at the mm-hmm. restaurant. They're like, Oh, like, you, need you know, to do like Rayana plays music and she's good or whatever. And I'm like, no, it's just a fun thing. 
Um, and then I met this girl, my friend Nikki, who like to this day is like a good friend of mine who was a singer songwriter and a working one. And she was like kind of hostessing on the side. She was like maybe 20 years old. And I was like, Oh, like very fascinated by her life. And the fact that like her song was on like a TV show and it paid her $10,000. I was like, Whoa, like <laughs> I didn't know that existed until I met her. Um, and was like, oh, that's a job? Like, that's so cool. The vision um, showed up for you. Like, oh. Exactly. And I love that another woman modeling that for you is what yeah. you know, sparked exactly. you to be able to, Yeah. Exactly. And um, I always joke with Nikki because I said when I met her, it was like I had this big crush on her. Like, <laughs> she was like this. It was such an overwhelming, like, spiritual feeling I had for her because I wanted what she had. Like, yeah. it wasn't even envy, though. It was like. It was like she was she came into my life for a reason and she like gave me a message. And um, mm. so, yeah, so Almost her, relief. it was so yeah. And it was so interesting because this hostess stand that I, I literally stood at every day for two years, it brought in so many people who ended up helping me as a musician, like because I, it was this, you know, big kind of like bar restaurant in North Hollywood and like people who worked at studios and who did all these things kind of like came through and I was really talkative and whatever. And I was always trying to make friends there. And, um, this one woman came in and she was like, Oh, you know, I run the farmer's market that happens on Saturdays. Do you want to come play music at it for free? You know? And I was like, okay. And then this other guy came in who was a producer and he ended up um, connecting me with the first people who produced my first album, like years later, um, at that restaurant. And, um, so yeah, anyway, like long story short, like how it all started was, um, my friend's kind of got me they like forced me to play at this farmer's market and then to play at this pie store in north hollywood and then it basically got to the point where my life from like 19 to 20 was like living in north hollywood uh hostessing and waitressing and then every day or night i wasn't working i was either like playing Mm. at this pie store or like playing at a farmer's market anywhere and I just became a singer songwriter and it's kind of like happened. Wow. And then like, that's kind of just been my life ever since. <laughs> I feel like at a young age though, you were really open to whatever literally walked in the door of yeah. the restaurant. Yeah. And not yeah. everyone would have been able to take advantage or be able to, to be open to those opportunities and have those conversations at your age to be that wise to say, what door is this opening? And then yeah. stepping into it. And to follow your yeah. heart, like yeah. to already be willing to live outside of the box. I'm not going to college. I don't know why yeah. I'm moving to this town and paying 500 bucks for this apartment, like to live in yeah. someone else's house. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yet it was exactly where you had to be. Like your soul was guiding you there. And then all these people into your life that sort of take you on this path of becoming a singer songwriter. It's a beautiful yeah, I, story. I, thank you. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, what sometimes we do is we think, we think too much. And I think that like society, <laughs> Amen. Yeah, Amen. yeah, like we really like, we, we don't trust have so many expectations and like are so wrapped up in like the optics of what we're doing. And, um, I mean, I- I'll tell you, like, it wasn't until I, um, like 2016 when like one of my songs kind of went viral or like whatever Facebook viral, like it wasn't <laughs> too crazy. Yeah. But, um, Will you tell us so which from, song? Because I know people oh, are going to check the you river. out. In the river. In the river. Okay. It was a song I wrote about the Standing Rock movement, and it mm-hmm. caught a lot of attention. And like, um, you know, and but from 2011 when I graduated high school until 2016, 
everyone I went to high school with, everyone, all my parents' friends, like everyone around me looked at me like I was a failure. Like they looked at me like I was like the girl who didn't go to college, who was waitressing mm. and just like, it was embarrassing. Like, you know, like I wasn't embarrassed by it. I thought it, I was like, I did not, I had to really build yeah. thick skin to like, I chose not this. Anyone. Chose this. Yeah. yeah. Like all my, fr- like, tons of my friends like didn't reach out to me until like I became successful. Wow. And, Isn't that interesting? Um, <laughs> yeah. It was just, like something about, I think sometimes when people take an alternate route, it like challenges everyone else's sense of reality and it makes yes, them uncomfortable. So true. So true. Um, and so, yeah, like those five years were a lot of just like, answering really weird questions and like people not thinking I was like doing anything with my life and all these things. And honestly, I'm so glad I did it at the time because from like age, like what, 20, 18 to 23, like who cares? Like people judge a 22 year old all you want, like they're finding themselves. And, um, I'm so glad I did that. Cause by the time I was 23, I knew exactly who I was. I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. And I was successful at it. And, wow. and you didn't have to wait till you were 40 in college. Yeah. You didn't have to wait till all the middle-aged people we're talking to and working with now that it takes yeah. them a lot the longer because they followed the path and then they're like, I don't want to be on this, in this small box yeah. anymore. So, but I yeah. love to, I, I want to go back cause you said something really significant that I think all of our listeners and just myself need to hear again, that sometimes when you choose the alternative route, it makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, And so they push against it, even if it's at a subtle unconscious level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also what we're trying to do with this podcast is encourage people to exactly what your path has been. You listen to your heart. You you bucked the system early. You didn't fall into these boxes. And like you said, by the age of 23, I knew who I was and I was doing what I wanted. Um, but we do have to deal with the fact that people may be uncomfortable by us being really authentic and following yeah. an alternative route. How do you think yeah. you um, had that thick skin or were able to kind of not take in people's comments or lack Criticism. of comments, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe their yeah. silence. How did, how do you think you worked with that? I think that it always hurt for sure. But I, I think that like what I did was I kind of like just really kind of swung the pendulum to the other way and just decided that I was like a rebel. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. like how my like song rebel soul came about where it was like, I just kind of like decided like, Oh, like I'm going to label myself as like that person like I'm that woman like I'm that woman who like does whatever she wants and like doesn't give a like whatever what anyone else thinks you know like you can say it thanks you know and I think that that's not true entirely like of course I care what people think of course um I doubted myself every step of the way but it's like when you just like kind of psych yourself up and you're just like oh no like this is who I am and this is what's expected of me. I'm not the one who does the the traditional route. It opens you up. Like when you decide, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of like mm-hmm. if you're going to subscribe to perfectionism, what's the opposite, you know, and just be that person. I think that um, when you just don't have expectations for yourself, Ugh, so you know, nice. like you- I think that like having expectations for yourself and a timeline is so blinding. Um, yeah, limited. And I, 
it's really limiting and it'll make you make some questionable questionable decisions and trust questionable people and do things that you don't like because you are doing something in honor of some kind of timeline or, or societal expectation that is literally not real. And yeah. um, so I kind of just like went really far in that and just like kind of like what just be, just became that person and decided that's who I was and kind of just like walked around with and this owned like it. You owned feeling it. of like flicking everyone off at all times. Yeah. <laughs> but I, know, I like, think that's such a, I'm so glad you're saying this because what you did is you stepped into like the archetype of the rebel. Like you said, I am yeah. a rebel. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you stepped into that, there was power there and there yeah. was like some protection around, I don't care what people think. I'm, I'm following my heart here. So For I think sure. that was so powerful how you, how you did that. Yeah. For sure. And I think that like, there's like a part of me that um, I, I I just like, I don't know, like I have a, I have a little bit like different of an opinion on like politeness. And I think that a lot of my friends are like very afraid of doing things that maybe feel like they're not polite or they're not good or they're not like, I don't know. I just kind of feel like I left politeness behind at like 18. <laughs> Tell oh, us how you did that. Tell us how you did yeah. that. I'm still trying to do that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that um, there's, I don't think there's ah, maybe a couple of times in my life, but there's very few times in my life where anyone has ever called me out for being rude or not to, or, or being like not um, empathetic to other people's emotions or putting or being selfish or putting myself first or any of that. But I think that I had to get into that headspace of like, I'm not polite anymore to get to like a place of empowerment because yeah. as women, we're starting from such a place of like, excessive politeness because oh, we're conditioned that yeah, way when so we're younger true. so if we get to that headspace of like i'm gonna i'm not gonna be polite we're, we're really more getting towards a place of of neutrality yeah, exactly <laughs> you know yeah. um, yes so that's kind of how i felt um and to this day i think that a lot of times um you know like whether it's i'm advocating for myself for um to you know be paid better or to be treated better or my boundaries or like any of that like i don't have i don't really care how people take it because i know that what i'm asking for is not crazy i'm really asking for very like, yes, things that men what you, yeah, ask yes. for without <laughs> without like second guessing yeah, themselves absolutely. and i think i've been trying to like uh, like talk about that with my friends a lot because I think a lot of times I have friends who, especially with like asking for more money from their jobs, like get really hung up on like, oh, this is rude. That's rude. I'm like, it's not rude. It's totally normal. Yeah. It's fair. Spirit. We need it's to fair. do this. Yeah. It's fair. Um, and so I definitely like have been known to be like a pimple popper with like a conflict. I'm like, <laughs> I'll confront it like any day. Like I don't, I, I, and I always do everything with a smile on my face and with such like grace and, um, you know, and, they, and that can both exist going though. Way. Yeah. yeah, they can both exist. But like, yeah, no one I, I from yeah, from the time I was 18, I was like, no one is going to mess with me. Mm. <laughs> and I like, love... that's kind of how I got through my like the past decade of yeah. my 20s, you yeah. know. Okay, so yeah. I have to tell you that for the past, since we booked this interview, we your music is playing a lot in our space. Yes. Yay. And we love it. We do. We all love it. And so I listened to an interview with you where you talked about your choice to name your album Woman in Color. Yeah. Changing of to in. Yeah. And this idea of really taking 
charge of your life, telling your story in a way that's authentic to you. And that feels yeah. like a really intentional decision, um, which fits into what you've just been talking about, kind of owning your identity, owning you know who you are. But mm. you, you also, how did it feel to give that to the rest of the world? Because I think that's a, that's a shift in, in perception um, that yeah. you, you did through music. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like um, there's something about like feeling, um, I don't know, like I, I, I had this like idea of like a coloring book and how I felt like a lot of times as women, as women of color, you know, just humans in general, like we feel like kind of like these like um, these figures that are colorless and um, people are always trying to like fill in the blanks for us. Like everyone we meet is like filling in your blanks or filling in your like, you know, judging you or deciding who you are or whatever. Um, you know, and I think that for me that woman in color was about like taking back that power and coloring in your own story and being like, well, this is who I am. Like I, I am not the labels that people have put on me. Um, I am, I am so many different colors and that, that has like a, a racial kind of, context to it but also not you know and i feel like it's it really is more it's so much more than that it's like ha, like, like who are you and 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 what's your story like and here's like the colored pencils that so you get to do it and fill it in yourself and so, so you get to decide yeah. is, yeah. is sort of decide. what you're trying to decide what you're trying to say yeah it's beautiful and it really does speak yeah. to all women all women yeah absolutely absolutely and um i think that um i i it is a lot about that, like kind of was saying before, it was like not subscribing to the book that they give you to the, you know, to the cookie cutter kind of lifestyle, like just really taking it upon yourself to decide who you are and fill in your own story. And um, I think I'm, I'm continuing to do that now. And, and, and I think that the deeper I go with it now, like being 29, I'm like, it, it it's just like, things are always unfolding and just like unlearning and you know, unlearning things every day that we're kind of conditioned to, to feel and think. And, um, it's, uh, it's a hurdle every day. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you are so wise at such, I know at such a young age. <laughs> it's so inspiring. So we want to, we want to play a little, um, piece of your music because it, it's like speaks exactly to this podcast. There was a time when we were wild. Moving fast, you couldn't hold us back. Then they came and stole our fire, put us in a cage we could never change. We used to be so free, get back to who we used to. But we love your song, Run With The Wolves, and Moving Fast, You Couldn't Hold Us Back. And then they came and stole our fire and put us in a cage. Yeah. Will you just 
talk about this song because it feels like an anthem Mm -hmm. to me for myself, but for the modern woman. And again, just coming from this archetypal book, Women Who Run With The Wolves, like how do we as women become a wolf pack and band together and encourage each other to get out of that cage? Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's so much to that. I think that um, for me, like growing up in New York City, definitely like super separate from nature um and then having an indigenous uh heritage and roots i think it's been like a you know like, like an earthing process for me like ever since i was a kid just like reconnecting with nature all the time that's i think that's like really what, what run with the wolves is about for me is like reconnecting to my indigenous roots mm. um and and not even um in terms of like my family lineage but really just like the earth itself and um mm. I remember I was like, you know, walking in the desert with some friends in um, Arizona and just like took my feet off my feet off. Oh, my gosh, my shoes off and um, was walking <laughs> in the mud like barefoot. And I was like, this is like running with the wolves for me. This yeah. is like returning to nature. And I think that what you said about like as women, like learning to be a part of the pack is really important. I think that especially like um, I, I mean, a lot of I think that's changing now, but oh when I was younger, there was so much language um, pitting women against each other and this feeling like we only have a couple spots to fight over. So, you know, other women are your enemy and things like that. And I think that that's something I've I've had to work through definitely as someone who's definitely a competitive natured person. And now I feel a sense of like radical alliance with other women where Mm. um, I'm always kind of looking... Yeah, I'm always looking for a reason to bring another woman uh, Mm. or a person, anyone in um, and to offer opportunities to other people and to pass opportunities if I don't think that I'm right for it instead of like always looking for a reason to pass something on um, is how I I operate in terms of like a wolf pack and like always making sure that the women around me um, feel heard and and. you know, like my, I want to be a good friend. I really, I really want to be a good sister. sister and yeah. um, mm. that, um, you know, those lyrics that you mentioned, I think that it's it, it, a lot of it too is returning back to the present moment. And I think that a lot of times as human beings, as women, especially like we were saying, like we're subscribing to all of these timelines and these um, societal expectations and all of that takes us out of the moment. That's all of that's not real. Um, that's all just, you know, taught to us, honestly, to sell us something, yes. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're given Keep all this fear from, yeah. from the patriarchy, from like marketing, from capitalism to make us buy things. And that it creates us fear within us and it takes us out of the moment. But really like we have to return back to the moment because we have to return back to ourselves. What makes you tick? What, what, what's your fire? Not what like that other person's is. Right. Um, and if ever there's a, a time yeah. to unite as women, we were talking about this difficult week um we need radical alliance more than ever right now oh my gosh yes like what is happening i don't know it's wild like it's i feel like i've like blocked it out of my head because it's crazy like i know it's really um yeah absolutely and we can't um yeah we definitely can't feel like especially like i live in los angeles and there's a, there's a bubble here where, where we don't, we feel untouchable. We're like, oh, that, there's no way that our rights like that would ever be taken away, but like it's happening. It's yeah. getting closer um, and closer, yes. closer and closer. And 
So um, absolutely, it is the time. (laughs) It is the time to band together. I agree. I'm going to use your phrase. I wrote it down. We need to be in radical alliance. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that is so beautiful. Channel that. Maybe that's a new song. Radical (laughs) alliance. (laughs) I love it. Yes, there you go. Okay, we do one final question with every woman that we speak to on this podcast. And um, I'm always... I always love to hear people's answers and you can have more than one answer. This can be, a, this is not mm-hmm. one answer. It's multiple choice. So yeah. in this infamous book, which have you read it? Women who run with the wolves? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause we always send copies to guests who haven't, would you like an extra yes. copy that you could give <laughs> yes, to one I of your, love okay, it. we're going to send one to you. Give it away to another I woman. I literally ripped the cover off of my copy because I framed it. Oh, <laughs> so, oh my like, God. My copy is like totally messed up. So okay. I'll another one. <laughs> we're sending you another one. <laughs> love it. Okay. So she talks about, Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Astis talks about how there are few precious doors into the world of the wild woman. And uh, we believe you truly are a wild oh, woman. Absolutely. Yeah. And she says that if you have a deep scar, that's a door. If you have an old, old story, that's a door. If you love the sky and the water so much, you can almost not bear it. That is a door. And if you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. So which door do you think you have walked through and maybe will continue to walk through as a wild rebel woman? What was the last one? You yearn for a deeper life, a sane life, a full life. That really resonates with me. Um, I think the like sane life. <laughs> yeah. It resonates with me because I think that um, I was definitely, I think, you know, I've struggled with anxiety my whole life and like wilding and um, kind of finding my wild woman has been my source of healing mm. from, um, mm. from that like psychosis, you yeah. know? And um so I think that um, that's a huge thing for me is um, I'm returning back to like my wild woman and through, through the door of, of wanting like it's like a spiritual awakening. It's like a, it's yeah. like a, bringing me to the present moment. It's bringing me to that quiet, that peace um, and also um, bringing me back to my ancestors. I think that. At the end of the day, I'm I'm trying to return back to myself because that brings me closer to them. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Wise <laughs> woman for 29. I tell I you, know. I don't think I've ever met a 29 year old. I cannot, quite oh like you. I cannot so wait to see what you do next. And I would like you to share with our listeners just anything you want to share. Your website, your podcast, yeah. upcoming shows. What do you want to share? So you can find me on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Ray Zaragoza, R-A-Y-E-Z-A-R-A-G-O-Z-A. That's a place you can support my music. And kind of right now I'm doing this thing called Demo Club where I'm releasing a new song demo every single week for the whole year. Mm. Um, So it's really fun. um, And that's like kind of the best place to be if you want to chat with me personally and like just be a part of my wolf pack. And I love um, it. And then also um, you can find me on Instagram at Ray Zaragoza. Um, I will be touring, playing some summer festivals this summer that I'm really excited about. So um, at the end of May, I'll be in Colorado. And then throughout the summer, I'll be in different parts. I think I'm going to Washington, different parts of Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, um, in New York and um, 
Connecticut and Yay. a couple different places. Wow. So if you're in any of these places or check out my website, raisegrossa.com for a longer list of tour dates. I think we're, we're Kate and I are going to have to road trip I to know. wherever is the closest yes. one. And gonna, yes, we'll drop be there in Radical on. Alliance with you, <laughs> yes. Ray. Radical Alliance. Yes, <laughs> we're going to. We're yes. You you said something today that is very very uh, appropriate and just um, inspiring at this very moment in time because that is what we need. Yeah, that yeah. is the Wolf Radical pack. Alliance. We got to come do. together. We, we got to band together. Yeah, and I think that you know. Because we, you know, get into that headspace, that like Wolfpack headspace, where it's like everything that affects a sister is affecting you, yeah. and um, we, it's yeah, the time is now. Time is now. Time yeah. is now. Thank you, Ray. You're Thank an you absolute, for your time. Thank you so what much. What a beautiful time speaking with yes. you. We appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you. All awesome. right. Best to you. Best to you both, and I'll talk to you soon. And now the amazing singer songwriter Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.